We continue our series on Dare to Be a Daniel, and this morning we're looking at standing true in the face of temptation. We are in Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenazah, chief of the court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among these from the land of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishrael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, he gave the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishrael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the king's wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to be defiled. And the God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishrael, and Azariah, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed to you, and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter, and tested them for ten days. And the ten days it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink, and gave them the vegetables. As for these youth, God gave them learning and skill in all the literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded what they had should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none were found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishrael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the musicians and enchanters that were in all of his kingdom. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and minds this morning. Well, as I said this morning, we look at Dare to Be a Daniel and Standing True as we look at temptation. Heard the story of this young boy that I love, and uh, the story goes like this, that he was on his way out to play with his friends. They're going down to the park where there's a swimming hole, and his mother said on the way out, she said, now whatever you do, don't go swimming. Well, he appears a couple hours later, and he's in his swimsuit, sopping wet, and his mother said, I thought I told you not to go swimming. And the boy said, oh, I couldn't help myself. The water was so nice and clear, and it looked so great. And the mother said, so why did you take your swimsuit with you? And the boy said, in case I was tempted. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like us sometimes in reality? 
We know what we should do, but we sort of make allowances little by little, and temptation has a foothold in life when we're young and sometimes as we grow older in life. And so this story this morning of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego has a lot to teach us, I think. And so just to recap where we've been, uh, we didn't start out in the book of Daniel. We started actually out in the book of Jeremiah. And the history, the recap of this was in uh, 605 B.C. and earlier, Nebuchadnezzar swept down. He defeated the Assyrians. He defeated the Egyptians to become the superpower of the day in the Middle East. And he besieged Jerusalem and Judah, the countryside, and uh, it fell wasteland. He went in and devastated after a time, after cutting off food and water. And then he carried off 10,000 for the first time of the best and the brightest, the wealthiest, the powerful people. And he took them away to the capital city of Babylon. You can only imagine what that was like as they left behind the devastation of their homeland. And they got up there and the king took the best and the brightest of that and decided he was going to educate them. And the strategy really was this, that if you have the best and the brightest, your young people in your homeland, in your capital city, City, are the people going to foment rebellion in the countryside? No, you've got them really where you want them. And the other strategy was more subtle and long-term, which was to educate them in his values and in his identity, and then eventually to send them back to the countryside to rule on behalf of them, and thereby to control the culture and values back in their homeland. And so the first reaction they had, like so many, was to, to rebel somehow, to figure out a way to rebel. And into this moment comes a letter from Jeremiah the prophet, a letter from home. And we said that Jeremiah told him four things. He said to live and settle there. Rather than to foment rebellion, he said build relationships. Don't stir up rebellion, build relationships. But he said the second thing was so important, to keep strong values. And by keeping your strong values, you can be salt and light in the people around you. And then he said it'd be a blessing, which was very radical. To seek the, seek the shalom, the peace and the prosperity of the people you're with. And God said, when they're blessed, somehow you will be blessed too. In other words, God was at work doing a work of love and grace among the people who had defeated them. Because God is at work all over the world doing things sometimes we don't even realize. And so God said, be a blessing to them. Very much a picture of the incarnation in some ways. And a picture of how our lives should be in the world around us as we are indeed salt and light. And the final thing was to trust God. That God was at work even though they could not see God. And after 70 years, that God would bring them back. And they will have done a work that lasted well beyond them. And so with that in mind, we look this morning as we start out the book of Daniel and see these young men. And the focus is on these four young men, but also there are other people. But these are sort of the stars in some sense. And so uh, in this moment, the first thing we see is they brought them in. And can you imagine uh, the gates? We still have part of the gates uh, for the city of Babylon. They were spectacular. I mean, uh, the Hanging Gardens of Nebuchadnezzar, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And you can imagine how amazing that was coming from the Judean countryside into this amazing city with all these kinds of architecture and all these wonders of engineering. And, uh, and then they're offered the king's table and all the privileges of the king. And uh, what is the first thing that the king does, though? Did you notice? He changes their name. He changes their name. Because why? When you change a person's name, you change their identity, right? And so Daniel which means uh, that God is my judge, becomes Belshazzar, which is to protect the king. Hananiah, Mishrael, and Azariah all get names that were about Yahweh, the one true God, to Aku, which is the moon god of the time. So Hananiah uh, becomes a Shadrach, which is the command of Aku, the moon god. 
Mishrael becomes who is like God to, to Meshach, which is who is like a coup is. It must be some kind of a song from the day. It's got a little, little beat to it. And Azariah becomes Abednego, which is Yahweh has helped to be the steward of Nebo and Nabu, another one of the pagan gods. And you notice that a lot of them sound like the original name. Start with the same letter for some of them. But the idea was, instead of about following Yahweh, Jehovah, the one true God of the Israelites in all the world, it was to follow the gods of the Babylonians. In particular, one of them was Aku and Nabu and some of these other gods, and so to change their identity. And uh, you can only imagine that in the king's court, they had to answer to their names. But do you think that they probably called each other by their true names when they were together? I think that's so important. And so I think it's important to take a stand and to know when to take a stand. But when did they take a stand? They took a stand in a very respectful way when the king ordered their diet. Really, the eunuch, on behalf of the king, ordered they have the best diet. Now, it looks like the Babylonians meant them well, okay, with the diet from the king's table. But here's the thing about that diet. The, the meat and many other kinds of things were probably offered to the pagan gods, and came from the pagan temples. And so what did they do? They said, we really want to have just this vegetable, vegetarian diet, right? And many times in, uh, in the Old Testament, there's uh, some Nazarite vows that sort of reflect that. We don't know that that was the case with them. But what they wanted to do for religious purity was to stay away from the pagan kinds of food and have the food that they knew would be good and healthy. And so they go to the eunuch. And they, the eunuch says, in charge of all this... <laughs> Listen, guys, my head is on the line, okay? I, you know, it doesn't matter to me really what you eat other than the king could cut off my head if I'm fine out doing this. And Daniel very respectfully does what? He trusts God in that moment. He says, listen, for 10 days, let us have the diet that we have that's not about your pagan gods, that's vegetables and, and water. And uh, you have everyone else, so the four of us will have this. And then after 10 days, bring us in and compare how we look and how we think. And the eunuch says, okay. And so they're given that opportunity, and so uh, they have their diet. They came in after 10 days, and the person in charge says, wow, these young men are stronger, fitter, wiser than all the other people in the land. You can go ahead and have your diet. And I think for us, that lesson is to be able to take a stand, but we need to choose our battles wisely. And so that's the first thing. And we have to be very careful about the names the world wants to call us in some way, shape, or form, because names find our identity. And where do you find your identity this morning? For these young men, it was in God, and they knew how to live that out. The second thing is, is to be able to take a stand together. And you notice... All of us need other people around us, right? We always talk about what do parents say? Pick your friends wisely. <laughs> One of the first things that I always ask Savannah when she's going out Friday night or whatever, I said, uh, what are you doing? And then who are you going with, right? Because <laughs> I know, and she does a great job of choosing friends wisely, but who we're with determines what we do so often. Who we're with determines what we do so often. It's so important for all of us, particularly for young people, to have the right friends that reinforce our values, that we can stand together, right? And so they were able to do this in a way that uh, they probably couldn't have done alone. Maybe they prayed at night. We know that they recited Hebrew scripture. And in that way, it just reinforced their values in a tremendous, tremendous way. 
Who was in your Bible study, in your Sunday school group that you pray together and share together, and of course we worship together, that reinforces your values and helps you to stand together? And then the final thing is to stand strong, which I think is so important. And so in this moment, for a lot of us, what would we think? We would say, this seems like a minor detail, isn't it? I mean, it's diet, right? They already changed our name. They're calling us by this, but we call each other by this name. It's just a matter of diet. But here's the thing, I think, friends. Many times it's the small trials that define and strengthen us for the bigger battles. I'm going to say that again. Many times it's those small trials and tests that define us for the bigger battle down the road. These young men had some big battles to come, as you may well know, and we will find out as they face the fiery furnace, the lion's den, and things like that. But God was building their strength in these small moments, in these small tests that they would be true and stay true in the bigger battles that were coming. Many times people have said, you know, we live in a culture in which we say it's those big decisions, those big moments in life that define us. Well, really and truly, they may define us for the people around you, but the small decisions that you make in life make it so that your character is defined so that when the big decisions come, you're either going to make the right decision or you're not. How are you doing about defining your character in those small tests, those trials of life, those little ones that will define you for the bigger battles to come? God is working in your life in these moments that when you face those big battles in life, you'll be ready to stand true. Isn't that all true in all life, whether we're working out or whether you're training for battle? You talk about soldiers and they do these small things along the way. And sailors, the same thing, these small things along the way so that when they face the battles, they know exactly what to do. It's a reflex to them to do the right thing. How are we doing about standing strong in all the battles of life? These young men have been through devastation in all their lives. And it would have been easy just to say, we'll eat whatever you put in front of us. But instead, they're willing to say, you know, this is a small moment in life. We're going to light a candle in the night. We're going to stand true. We're not going to do it in a way that is an affront. They're very respectful in that moment, weren't they? They said, listen, this is our beliefs. These are our values. This is our identity. Let us live this out and then see if our God isn't true. Notice that that's a little testimony that's shining a light into this person's life that is amazing. Amazing, isn't it? I love this scripture from Corinthians that was read early. And it says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can stand up under it. And what is it in that moment that helps us to just pause so that we can see the way out? Because sometimes we're in panic and we're in frustration. Well, maybe we can say a prayer. We can claim the scripture that in that moment we can stand true. Someone once said, and I think it's really good, that there's three different attitudes um, that Christians can have in the world today, and you see them. And the first one is one of isolation is that you're just going to stay away from the world. And, and some, there's some good people that do that. The Amish or some of those kinds of folks or other kind of people go away in a monastery. And so you have this isolation and you're going to stand true because you're just with your people, right? And then the attitude of assimilation, which means because you're there, you just begin to take on all the culture and values around us, right? 
We're no longer salt and light. But the attitude that we should have is insulation, okay? So not isolation, not assimilation, but insulation, which means that we have a buffer between us and the culture around us that allows us to stand true. But I think that buffer is God's word and that buffer is prayer. That buffer is our opportunity to worship Sunday morning and to fellowship with other believers, to stand together in Bible studies and to stand true for all that we do. And music, I think, helps us do that too. Today, how are you doing in the small test, maybe even the tiny test that help define your character so when the bigger battles come, you can stand true, that you can be salt and light in the world. Recently, Simone Biles, a hero from my daughter's past, our past, my daughter's in gymnastics for a while, and uh, it was so amazing to watch Simone Biles when she was young. She was just uh, stunning, effervescent, but also incredibly talented in the Olympics back in, in 2012 and 2014. Then uh, later on, she set all these records and just did amazing, perfect scores, and sometimes um, in the middle of some of it, she had some physical problems, but more than that, the pressures of all this uh, were just mounting. She had a relationship as well, and so she decided she was going to just take a break. And when everybody said when she took a break, she'll never come back. I mean, because this is a sport, you know, women's gymnastics in particular, people say they peak at like 15, 16. Can you imagine the pressure on these young people? And, uh, and her faith has always been very much a part of it. And one of the things she says, and she's uh, posted before on social media, she says, faith says it makes it possible. Faith doesn't say it makes it easy. Faith makes it possible. Faith doesn't make it easy. It's not easy. It's hard. It's difficult to stand true and to stand tough and to stand together. And uh, one of the things about her life was she also stood in faith with Gabby Douglas and a number of other of these young ladies. Well, then recently she's come back and everyone said, oh, we don't think that you can do it at this age. You're just too old, you know, because you peak at 15 and 16 maybe at this sport. Uh, but recently she was once again awarded for the first time ever in male or female athletes. It uh, doesn't matter uh, the eighth time overall U.S. gymnastics champion, an outstanding kind of award. Her marriage is strong, and, uh, and she's looking to forward to Paris in 2024. I'll be cheering for her. I hope you will, too. But amazing, but the thing is about all this is that it wasn't the fame, the fortune, even dominating women's gymnastics. It was her faith, her values, her identity that came first, that even when everyone else criticized her, said, wait, you can't step down. Just take a breath, right? She said, no, I'm just going to take a step away from all this, and then I've done what I need to do, and if I need to do more, I'll come back. But my identity, my faith, they're going to stand true. That's who I am. And you know what? Whether she dominates in Paris in 2024 or whatever, she's done the right thing. And that's the most important thing that all of us can do. We learn in the small moments from the book of Daniel, right at the very start, as they're in this moment where they could have just said, it doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. This isn't going to define me. That instead, they took that moment, and they didn't falter. They took a stand for what was right in the small moments, and then down the road, we'll see that in the bigger battles, they stood true as well. I challenge each and every one of us to be salt and light in our world, but so many times, our character is defined in these small moments of life. And listen, pick your friends wisely so that they can reinforce that, and you can reinforce that as well. Would you join me in prayer?
Lord, as we look at this amazing story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we are amazed at their life of faith, even in these opening moments of this book. Lord, help us to see their example and to follow their example, even as we follow you, and to know that whatever temptation comes our way, that you'll make us strong in us. You'll, you'll give us a way out if we'll just claim your word and pray for the power of your Holy Spirit. And help us to realize that so often that we are defined in the small tests that will make us stronger for the bigger battles down the road. We pray this in your name and all God's people said, amen.